have been in a series of messages uh, on prayer uh, that correspond with our 100 days of prayer effort, and I'm so grateful for the 200 plus people who are who are part of that 100 days of prayer, and for Dan sharing uh, some of his insights about that today. Uh, we started in January with kind of a generic look at a prayer, and then for the next four weeks we looked at uh, four great prayers that we found and the writings of the Apostle Paul to churches, uh, two to Thessalonians, one to Ephesians, and then one to uh, Colossians last week. And, and those prayers serve as great models of prayers for us, great examples for prayers, and a challenge for our prayer life. Now, I, w- I would think that all of us at some point uh, would admit to having some kind uh, of prayer life, that we would pray at some point in our life. In fact, according to uh, the pollster George Barner, uh, his results say that almost 90% of Americans say they pray. And an interesting number is that uh, over 60% of unchurched Americans say that they pray. And of those unchurched Americans who pray, over a third of them believe that prayer makes a difference in their lives. And when that's asked of born-again believers like us, uh, then that response is that 70% of the time they feel that God personally answers their prayers. So today we come to look again at a passage in Colossians where Paul is admonishing us to have an effective prayer life. And so with that we're challenged to ask ourselves, okay, how is my prayer life? How's my prayer life going? Um, Is it where I want it to be? Um, Is it at least a a regular consistent prayer life? Or would I admit that it's sporadic and and, um, not well organized and not well defined and... and, um, you know, just kind of bounces around from time to time. Because sometimes I think we have experiences in life where it seems like our prayers can literally touch heaven, and at times they seem to bounce off of the ceiling. And yet at the same time, there are over 1,400 selections of Scripture throughout the Bible that encourage us to be people of prayer and to pray. And I would suggest to us that to strengthen our, our walk with Christ, our faith in Christ, and to develop spiritually the way that we should, to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ, then prayer is an essential for our life. And if we're going to have a prayer life, then it needs to be an effective one. You say, okay, well, why does it need to be an effective one if, if just simply praying is an act of faith? Well, for several reasons. Prayer makes a difference. You know, we can't explain it. It's just the God thing as to how God moves and answers prayer, but prayer makes a difference. We also know that prayer brings us wisdom. You know, the promise of James is that if we lack wisdom, ask of God, he will give it to us, and he won't criticize us or rebuke us for that. So prayer brings us wisdom from God. Prayer also provides strength for the difficult times in life. We're facing a challenging, difficult time in life. We pray, and God gives us that strength. Prayer also convicts us of areas in our life that need changing. If we're honest enough to pray about that, Lord, I give you permission to come in, examine my heart, my life, and point out any sin, any wickedness that might be in my life. And then prayer always brings us the assurance of the fact of our position in the Father, that we are his children, we have this unique privilege and opportunity to come to him in prayer. So we know that prayer changes things. Prayer changes the world around us. So why are we not better prayers? Why do we not pray more often? Why is our prayer life basically weak and anemic? Well, several years ago, D.A. Carson a New Testament professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois, I wrote a book entitled A Call to Spiritual Reformation. And within the book, 
he points out seven, uh, six basic excuses that we make for not praying on a regular basis, and here they are. Uh, number one is, I'm too busy to pray. All of us are busy. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy, period. Uh, I feel too spiritually dry to pray. I know there's been times in my life that I just wonder, you know, how can I voice a prayer? But I've always found that no matter how spiritually dry I might seem to be, that if I go ahead and I, I get into that mode and that pattern of talking to God, then somehow it just frees up and I begin to talk with him. Um, number three is I feel no need to pray. Number four is I am too bitter to pray. Uh, number five says I am too ashamed to pray. Uh, listen, you don't ever don't ever catch yourself where you think you're too ashamed to pray. Nothing you can do that can communicate, keep it, break the, the, the line of communication with your father. Come to him and confess and then pour your heart out to him. And then the one that troubles me the most is this, that says, I am content with mediocrity. You know, I think that is the malady that plagues the Christian community today, is that we will settle for mediocrity. That's okay. I'm saved and I'm safe and, you know, things are going fairly well in my life, so it's okay. I'll settle for mediocrity. We don't want mediocrity with the doctors we go to see. We don't me- want mediocrity from the uh, athletic teams that we follow. We don't want mediocrity from our children in school, do we? Uh, and if you're a conscientious student, you don't want to settle for mediocrity. Don't get C's when you can get A's, Okay. So why do we settle for mediocrity in our spiritual life and in our prayer life? We should not do that. We've got a quick video on the street interview asking people about their prayer life. Do they pray? Uh, Maybe you might find yourself in some of the answers that are given. Um, I do pray, and I pray um, when I feel like I need guidance or help, Um, and that can happen 24-7, I No, because I don't think it's right when people turn to God when they want something, when they want money, when they want their team to win. That's bizarre to me. Yes, we do. Yes. And it's daily, usually in the morning when I wake up or when I'm going to work. And why? Because it's, uh, it sets my goal for the day. I don't pray regularly. I've only prayed like, oh, God, dear God, you know, only those types of prayers. Um, I, I pretty much pray, unfortunately, uh, not often as I should, and because I'm a typical person, it's pretty much when anything's going wrong. I, uh, I'm not sure what it's called, but I say the, the bedtime prayer before I go to bed, and that's about the only time I pray. I think God's involved in my daily life. You know, um, I'll pray to Him. Well, lately I've prayed to Him a lot more. So, I just think that he's near me with me everywhere I go, instead of being way up there, kind of like looking down on us. I suppose you were asked that question on the street, do you pray? Well, do you have a prayer life? I think most of us would say, well, yeah, and you say, well, describe it for me. Well, I would venture to guess that most of us, if we were honest, we would say, well, it's kind of haphazard, it's kind of sporadic, it's not as disciplined as I would like for it to be. Well, those aren't going to be effective prayers, and you're not going to have an effective prayer life. I want you to look with me in Colossians chapter 4. Last week we looked at chapter 1 and the great prayer that Paul had in verses 9 through 14. Now when we come back here, we find some practical advice and guidance from Paul uh, to these believers and to us today about having an effective prayer life. 
Uh, in chapter 4 of Colossians, beginning in verse 2, Paul writes and says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I think Paul gives us four characteristics of how we should pray to have an effective prayer life. Number one is this. We, we, we should pray persistently. Paul hits that right there in verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Some other translations say, continue earnestly in prayer. Uh, continue steadfastly in prayer. Now, the interesting thing about this is, is all of these admonitions are given to us in the imperative, which means it's a command. It's really not an option for us about prayer. You know, it's a command. And that's what Paul says, I think, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 when he says to pray without ceasing. If, if we are persistent in our prayer life, then we know that persistence is not an option for us as believers. It is an order. It's a command from God because he knows that we need that consistency and, and that persistence in our life. In fact, two of the most instructive parables that Jesus taught on prayer are found in Luke 11 and Luke 18, and both of them teach us about being persistent and not giving up in prayer. In Luke 11:9, it's where we find the promise that says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find Knock and it shall be opened to you. Now, all of those are written in the present tense active voice, which literally means it could be translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Telling us that we should never give up in prayer. We're to be persistent. In Luke 18, verse 1, the scripture says, Now he, that's Jesus, was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. See, that's what persistent means, is that is that we pray without giving up. We don't become discouraged quickly and quit. Uh, and prayer is not an option for us. And if we want an effective prayer life, the first thing Paul says is that we have to learn to pray with persistence. You know, if you have a regular time, a regular place, and a regular pattern for your prayer life, you're more likely to stay in touch with God through prayer. You're more likely to have an effective prayer life. You just got to get with it and pray persistently. All right, the second thing that Paul says is this, that we, need, we should pray with passion. We should pray with passion. Paul describes passionate prayer as being watchful. Other translations uh, say uh, by keeping alert or being vigilant. Uh, I think uh, we know that the Apostle Paul prayed with passion. If you've been here for these four messages that uh, focused upon these two di four different prayers, the three different churches, there was, a, there was a great sense of passion that Paul had for these believers as he prayed for them. And not only did Paul pray with passion, uh, but Jesus prayed with passion as well. Several instances are these, like in Luke 3, 1 in his baptism, while he was praying, heaven was opened. And I would suggest to you that passionate prayer is the prayer that will open heaven. In Luke 6, 12, before Jesus called the disciples, he spent all night in prayer. And we're reminded of the fact that passionate prayer is what opens the windows of heaven and, and brings into our life the direction of God when we have choices to make. 
In Luke 9, 29, at the transfiguration of Christ, the scripture says, And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. And so we would say that passionate prayer ushers us into the throne room of heaven and enables us to experience the glory of God the Father. And then in Luke 22, verse 44, when Jesus is praying through the night in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing what he was facing, that he would be betrayed by one of his own disciples, he would be arrested, there would be a kangaroo court, then he would be scourged, and then he would be nailed to that cross and die for the sins of humanity. And he knew that not only would he face shame, and not only would he face the physical agony, but he knew the spiritual agony that he would face when he became sin, and all of God's judgment was cast upon him on that cross, and that beautiful, wonderful relationship with God would be severed. That was a passionate prayer that Jesus prayed. And the scripture says, And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. I don't know if any of us have ever prayed that passionately. Maybe we've never faced any kind of decision that Jesus had to face. To be obedient to God the Father and endure the cross, it would take off and go his own way. But I think if we pray passionately, then we will know that it's from the heart, not just our head, And we will know more about God. We will be just open and honest before God of whatever we're facing, whatever we're we're bringing to God. I don't know when's the last time you've prayed passionately, but it's something that you know that really was something that was in your heart. Maybe it was for a family member or a friend or, or, or some issue. And, you know, if you prayed passionately, it was really a burning prayer. And the thing that concerns me about this is that we seem to be passionate about a whole lot of things. You know, we're passionate sometimes about our work. We're passionate about our families. We're passionate about our fun times that we have and a lot of things in life we're passionate about. Let's look back at last week's, last Sunday, Super Bowl 49. In the history books, uh, always probably will be remembered for a play on the goal line that, that was called that probably cost the Seattle Seahawks the game. Uh, but um, people are so passionate about that sport. I read this week that Super Bowl 49, which was last week, was the most watched show in U.S. history. 114.4 million viewers watched Super Bowl 49. Then when the New England Patriots started making their comeback, that peaked to 120.8 million between 9.45 and 10 o'clock. Now, we talked a little bit last week about some prices on tickets They were getting them from StubHub and um, NFL Ticket Exchange and those kinds of places. By Saturday, average price was $7,000. You couldn't get one for less than that. I remember reading about one family that traveled from the East Coast, a mom and dad, two kids. They flew to Glendale, Arizona to watch the Super Bowl. They were expected to pick up tickets when they got there. Tickets were not available. They had to go on the street or somewhere and pay thousands of dollars for four more tickets. That was a passionate family to see that Super Bowl, wasn't it? And then when the New England Patriots came back successful on Monday evening, there was nearly 16 inches of snow in the ground. And Gillette Stadium, I think that's the name of it, wasn't it, uh, was covered in snow. And they were out by the thousands to welcome their winning team. They were passionate about their football team. You know, we're passionate about a lot of things. How passionate are you about your prayer life? Here's the third thing Paul says about an effective prayer life, and that is that we should pray with gratitude. Now, Paul says that we are to be watchful and passionate. In verse 2, he says, thankful. 
I find it so interesting that when you read through the prayers of Paul, he always has that element of thankfulness and gratitude that, that he puts in his prayers. Now, he, t- he was thankful for the people to whom he was writing. He was thankful to God for the blessings of life. He was thankful for the opportunity to pray. And our prayers, too, should, should contain that essence of gratitude. See, Paul mentioned several of these. In Ephesians 5.20, he tells us that thanksgiving is the natural result of being filled and walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 4, 6, he tells us to, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything we should pray, giving thanks as we make our petitions known to God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, he tells us that giving thanks at all times is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And Colossians 3.17 says that as believers do, uh, do everything we say or do, it should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as we give him thanks. Okay, so what's the big deal about praying with gratitude to have an effective prayer life? Well, let me mention three things as a result of praying with gratitude. Number one, when we pray with gratitude, we express our dependence upon God. So there's a lot of this self-made concept in our culture today, and we've, we've pretty much bought into it. We might keep God over here for special needs, but pretty much we make it on our own in life, don't we? We think we've done this by the power of my might. I was the one that worked hard, stayed up late, went to work early, stayed late in work, put in the extra time in my school work, put in the extra time on the practice field, all of those kinds of things. But if we would have the mindset and the heart of of the Apostle Paul as we pray, we would know who God is and who we are and how desperate we would be if it were not for God in our life. So whenever we pray and whatever we pray about, there should always be that uh, element of gratitude within our prayer because we don't want to take it for granted. Everything is a blessing and a gift from God. So number one, we express our dependence upon God when we pray with gratitude. Number two... We express our humility before God. See, when we continue to express gratitude to God in our prayer life, that continues to remind us of how truly helpless we are without God. See, everything in this world, our flesh, the world system, the people around us, everything tries to reinforce that idea of the self-made person, and it's not true. Everything in God's Word speaks to the contrary, that it comes from God and we should be humbly submissive before God. I love the words of the prophet Micah in 6.8 where he says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And then when we express gratitude in prayer, the third thing that we do is that we express our relationship with God. By that I mean we say that we know that God is our Father And we are his children. We know that he loves us. We know that he blesses us. We know that he provides for us. And we know that he will continue to provide for us out of his love for us. And if we don't express gratitude in our prayers, then we learn to take most everything for granted. But when we pray with persistence, with passion, then it enables us to to express from the depth of our hearts the gratitude we have to God for what he did for us in Jesus Christ. That out of his love for us and out of his mercy, he sent Jesus Christ into this world to go to the cross of Calvary, to become sin on our behalf, to bear our sins on the cross, 
so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be righteous in the sight of God, and so that we could have fellowship with Him. So Paul encourages us to pray persistently, to pray passionately, to pray with a sense of gratitude. And then the fourth thing he says is, and that is that we should pray for others. That's why I, I took the reading of the scripture on down where Paul talks about, you know, pray for me and for the ministry opportunities that I have. And then he talks about, you know, let your conversation be seasoned with salt and, and to do all these things when you communicate with people uh, in the right kind of way with the right attitude. See, what Paul is asking for is for us to pray for him. And that means that then we're to pray for others, not just for Paul's ministry back then, but we learn to pray for others. And that's simply called intercessory prayer. It's just simply basically asking God to bless, to lead, to guide, to save other people as we pray for them. But you know the reality is that we are fairly picky about who we pray for. It's kind of a, if you really, if you, if you do pray with a journal and keep record uh, of your prayer, for most of us probably, if you look at it really seriously with critical eyes, it's probably a very narrow circle of influence from where your prayer life is focused. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, back up that statement by saying a poll, poll recently conducted by Lifeway, you know, which is the headquarters and all that for, for Southern Baptists. They found that we are very picky about who we pray for. Family and friends, 82% of the time. Our own problems and difficulties, 74% of the time. Now, this one surprised me that it was this high. Our enemies, we pray for them 37% of the time. I'm not sure if I believe that or not. Maybe somebody, they, a lot of people just threw that in because they wanted to feel spiritual. I mean, how many times, do you pray for your enemies that regularly, that frequently? I don't you know. I have to take it there at 37%, but okay. The government leaders, only 12% of the time. We really should be spending a lot of time there. Then we go on there's some other interesting figures about this. 36% for prosper, financial prosperity. 21% pray to win the lottery. 13% for their favorite team to win. You see where, where the bulk of our prayer life goes? If you really want to see intercessory prayer, look at the life of Jesus. Yes, Jesus prayed for others. Luke twenty two twenty three. Jesus tells Peter, he said, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And Luke twenty three thirty four on the cross, Jesus was praying for others when he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. In John 17, 19, he prayed for us, the church, even back then, over 2,000 years ago, and the intercessory aspect of that prayer by saying, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom thou hast given me. And on and on and on, we find places in the scriptures where we encourage to pray for other people, intercessory prayers. See, Jesus prayed them, Paul prayed them, and we should do them as well. So as we come to look at our prayer life today and challenge with the question is, how effective is your prayer life? Let me give you three challenges uh, that you need perhaps to add to your prayer life and your thought process in praying. First of all would be examine your heart attitude. See, a prayer is fellowship with God, and, and it's a direct re- reflection of our relationship with Him. And it always involves our heart attitude. I really believe that if we were deeply in love with God as we should be, if He was first place in our life, the very center of our life, then our prayer life would reflect that love that we have for God because prayer begins in the heart. So number one, examine your heart attitude. Number two, make sure you mean what you say to God. 
Not just saying, God, if you'll save my child, if you'll bring them back to health and this, that I'll do what I'll serve you the rest of my life. You know, be careful about saying that as well. Don't make any promises that you can't keep. But let your words be approved by God. I think the psalmist in Psalm 19 was right when he said, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Remember, God hears what you say, but he also knows what you have in your heart. He's always listening. He knows what your heart is saying. Then thirdly, a challenge to you is this. Be willing to be a part of God's answer to your prayer. So if you're praying for someone to come to know faith in Christ, when are you going to get moved to the point that you're going to be willing to build a relationship with that person to where you have the opportunity and the privilege to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, how long are you just going to pray? And say, God, I'm praying for so-and-so to be saved. I want them to come to know you. I want them to have faith in Christ. How long are you going to pray that without finally coming to the point that says, you know what, God, I need you to strengthen me and encourage me, give me wisdom, give me words to say, fill my heart, fill my mouth with the words I need to say because I know that I need to be the one to speak to him or to her about Christ. So you need to keep that in mind as you pray, that you have to be willing to be a part of God's answer for your prayer. So, we'll bring this kind of to a conclusion. We wrap it up. Now, what does your prayer life look like this morning? Are you persistent in prayer? You know, do, do you pray with passion? Do you include others in, in your prayer life? How much time do you spend thanking God whenever you go to Him in prayer? See, all of those are things that we need to consider uh, as we look at our prayer life and as we pray. And I'm trusting that all of that's going to be a great experience for those 200 and some people in the life of our church going through the 100 days of prayer. And then let me ask you this question then. then. What would happen in your life if you really developed this effective prayer? What would happen in your family if you began to pray for them on a regular basis with passion? What would happen here in the life of our church if you really prayed with that passion in your heart for God to stir us and to do something great and mighty that we've never seen done before? What would happen in your heart if you truly ask God to search your heart and to point out any sin or wickedness and to cleanse you from that? So that's why I think our prayer life and a prayer life that is effective is so absolutely necessary today. And my prayer for us is that we would be a people who would be so in love with God through Jesus Christ that we would want an effective prayer life. And we would go from a a haphazard, random time of praying to where we would go to a disciplined, persistent pattern of prayer in our life. And the result of that is that we would grow deeper in love with God every time we prayed. And I challenge us to do that as a people of faith. Fathers, we bow before you today. We thank you for this wonderful privilege that you give to us through prayer to come into your presence and ask you and allow you to show us great and mighty things that we do not know. As we pray for an effective prayer life, may we be willing to incorporate into our life these essentials that the Apostle Paul brings to our heart and our mind so that we might have that prayer life that would allow us 
to be effective as we pray for ourselves, for our church, for those we love, for those in ministry, those in service, uh, for all those around us who need to know your presence and power in a very special way. And Father, we pray this prayer today as a commitment of our life. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.